Hello and welcome to Home to Her, the podcast that's dedicated to reclaiming the lost and stolen wisdom of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Liz Kelly, and on each episode, we explore her stories and myths, her spiritual principles, and most importantly, what this wisdom has to offer us right now. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome. This is Liz joining you today from Central Virginia and the unceded ancestral lands of the Monica Nation. And I am so glad you're here with me today. And trust me, you're in for a treat because the whole reason this episode is even happening is due to an 81-year-old shamanic vulva living in exile in Berlin, Germany. That got your attention, didn't it? I thought it would. (laughs) So let me explain. My guest today first appeared on my radar screen thanks to another former podcast guest, the amazing poet and performance artist, Iris Eve. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you might know that Iris and Trista Hendren of Girl God Books and I co-hosted an autumn equinox event in 2021 called Revelry. And as we were planning this event, Iris introduced us all to an incredible provocative performance artist known by the stage name Growler, who is indeed a walking, talking, rather old vulva who transmutes women's pain through story, song, and comedy. Well, we were so lucky to have Growler join us for that event. And through that connection, I got to learn more about the uh, the amazing woman behind her. She's an incredible artist and she's here with us. And I know she has a lot of wisdom to share with us today. Dee Mulrooney is an Irish artist who's been living and working in Berlin for the past six years. Dee is primarily concerned with art as medicine, and she embraces a number of disciplines to engage with the healing aspects of creative art. Through painting, drawing, film, storytelling, and performance, she explores exile, displacement, longing, and belonging. Her art is fiercely authentic, and she leaves no stone of her own personal healing journey unturned. Dee works with the alchemical aspect of transmutation in her art, and she uses this process to deal with difficult topics, including abuse, death, and loss. She considers herself a shadow worker and has experienced the transformative power of sharing stories to heal the collective feminine. Dee has exhibited and performed numerous times in both Berlin and Ireland. She formed the feminist Holy Cunt Collective in Berlin, which I cannot wait to talk about. And she will be performing at Karja's Sligo Arts Festival in July and Burning Woman Festival in Nottingham in June. And of course, Dee is also known for Growler, her alter ego and performance piece. Driven out of Dublin by rising rents and a poor quality of life, Growler has appointed herself the voice of the forgotten woman. Through Growler, Dee's performances explore feminine, femininity, classism, displacement, religion, the female experience, and Dublin social history. And with that, welcome, Dee, to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Who is this woman? I want to meet her. <laughs> she sounds pretty great, doesn't she? I mean... It's yeah. a coup to have her here. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I'm really like, I was having goosebumps there going to just, you know, to be acknowledged in this space by a peer is just very, um, yeah, I feel really honored to be here, Liz. Thank you very much for having me oh, on. Thanks for joining. I'm so happy that you said yes. Um, and as I, I, you know, so Dee and I chatted quickly before we hit the record button here. And I, I, I told her that I have this feeling of like, I just, um, want to throw out all my notes and just start talking. Cause I feel like this is going to be such a great conversation, but I do. I, so I usually start every one of these and I'm also very curious about your background. I always start with just hearing about people's spiritual 
background growing up. Mm -hmm. And so if you're comfortable with that, I'd love yeah, to start there. Yeah. 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 So I was raised Catholic in a time where Ireland was dominated by Catholicism and patriarchy um, where women's status wasn't very in good shape, to be honest. Um, but my generation, I feel like we're kind of like a bit bridge generation. So I started to pull away from Catholicism quite early on, around 12. So once I made my confirmation, I was like, do I really have to go to mass? You know, because my mom had already kind of stopped going to mass at that stage, which was happening kind of all over Ireland, you know, mm. particularly, I think, in probably in the cities more so um, where there was more people going to mass. So you weren't noticed as much if you weren't going, you know. Um, so I wasn't connected at all spiritually, I'd have to say now to Catholicism really until I started to make art, you know, um, it is definitely the spirituality and religion of my ancestors. So in that I honor it, I don't identify as Catholic anymore. Um, but for sure the iconography and the, just the imagery and the whole kind of visual aspect of it is very much embedded in my subconscious. Mm. Um, so for that, I'm, I don't know if grateful is the word, but I'm, I'm very connected to it. I, I can't, I can't shake it off. It comes out all the time, you know, mm -hmm. even though I'm very angry and upset and devastated about, you know, all the stories and including it's affected my own family, you know, my own family um, had members in institutions that were run by the Catholic church and suffered abuse at their hands and stuff. Um, but still it's, it's, I think for a long time, I felt like I wanted to completely deny it, you know, and I turned to all sorts of other kinds of spirituality, yoga and Buddhism and Tao and anything, but where I was from, you know. Mm -hmm. So then when I started to work with the art and so on, these images just really wanted to come through, but they were definitely on my terms. It had nothing to do really with the Catholic Church. It was a deeper thing. It was more ancestral connection. Mm -hmm. um, that might change I don't know but it's it's still it still seems to be there you know whenever I sit down to a piece of paper and do you think there's um so in my head I I think of um I think of Irish Catholicism as I think of like the Celtic roots of Christianity in general mm -hmm. and in my head it's got a different feel than say perhaps from a I mean do you feel like there's that that through line of uh, you yeah, know, being present. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our saints were pagan deities that were just Christ, uh, you know, Christ, Christianized um, with the Catholic Church and Saint Patrick. You know, the bell Saint Patrick. I don't have any time for him to be honest because he <laughs> he banned the the Celtic practice of imbus for Osnai, which was basically invocation of divine uh, inspiration. We don't know exactly what the practices were. It was probably shamanic. You know, I'm sure it involved some kind of ecstatic dance, maybe plant medicine, um, drumming, you know, all these ancient shamanic practices. There was definitely a practice that we had as a culture called Imbus for us mm -hmm. And St. Patrick banned it. It was like, you know, you can't do that anymore. Um, so, and I think like what happened in the in those early days was it was actually very hard to, convert the Irish to Christianity because they were kind of going sure look we're grand you know <laughs> we have our cows and we have our land and whatever so they they it wasn't really until it was sometime in the 500s when there was a terrible 
like a mini ice age where Europe suffered terrible famine for a couple of years that people then turned more towards uh, Christianity. And that's when it really took root in Ireland. So up until that point, it was kind of a, very much a mishmash and hit and miss and living, you know, side by side. But then the the Christianity, the Christian church then just took over uh, from that point, it became much, much stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, they assimilated a lot of the very strong deities and made them into saints, St. Saint Bridget in particular. I'm not wearing my Bridget's cross. I normally am actually, you know, the Bridget's cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Bridget was a goddess. She's a, one of the strongest um, goddesses that we have. And I think they couldn't get rid of her. So they made her into a saint and all this mythology then, Catholic mythology grew up around her. That was kind of a crossover from, I don't think we're any one thing or the other. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually. And just even in terms of um, the complexity of what's happening in the world at the moment, I have a lot of time for humans. I really have a lot of time for human beings. I feel like it's nearly an impossible task to be a truly good human being. It's so unbelievably complicated. Um, And we are as old as the little single-celled whatever that came out of the sea. We're as old as the earth. We're as old as, and, and as complicated. You know, this kind of mycelium that we're discovering now that has conversations it's like the, the forest internet. Um, I feel that we give ourselves an awful hard time and there's a lot of human bashing at the moment and it's, it's easy to use ourselves as a scapegoat, but I think we're part of a much bigger process. Mm-hmm. Um, and Growler, my alter ego, she'd often say, you need to love the Egypt out of yourself. You know, like the Egypt is an Irish word for an idiot or whatever. You need to love mm-hmm. the Egypt out of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to be human. And I, yeah. the older I get, the less, definitely the less judgmental of myself and other people I'm becoming because I feel like we can't, it's nothing is black and white. Absolutely nothing is black and white. Everything is a gazillion shades of everything and as old as the hills. So um, that's why I think like with, with, you know, the Catholic iconography and my work, it can appear contradictory sometimes because I'm constantly giving out about the establishments. You know, I'm definitely a renegade and a dissident and a, disruptive element but um i can't separate myself from my ancestors you know that's that's like that's they're the prayers of my ancestors for going back a long time because i'm i'm genetically very irish (laughs) you know i've been there for a while like in terms of my cellular memory um there's not much else going on here a few freckles uh so (laughs) i feel like what's the point in kind of blaming our our it just doesn't help, you know, there has to be atonement, obviously, yes. for what has happened, but uh, it's it's really, really complicated. That's not, to, that's not to diminish the terrible things that have happened or to let anybody off the hook, but um, yeah, it just kind of helps to, I think, have compassion generally for humanity as a whole, because it's almost an impossible task, I think, to be human, yes. <laughs> and to come out the other end and go, oh, I did a great job you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've come to a very similar conclusion with the, you know, my, my Christian roots are are Protestant nature. So I've definitely, there's not much of a feminine presence there at all. I mean, you know, Mary barely exists, but, but for me kind of connecting back to, um, the, 
Christian roots of my own ancestors has been really healing as well. And I, I don't know about you, but I also see it as a through line. I mean, obviously I'm very interested in the, the sacred feminine and, and who she was and who she was for my ancestral people. But it, to get there, I either have to journey backwards, you know, like through my people, or I got to skip over a whole huge chunk of them to try and find her. And so um, it's been an interesting practice for me to like look for her in those mm -hmm. ancestral roots too, even in places where she might not be so obvious. Where she was kind of squashed down, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. funny, I'm living in Berlin now and we've just bought a little piece of land with a group of other artist collectors, collectives <laughs> um, just outside Berlin, kind of in Brandenburg, the surrounding areas. And there's, there's a, a well um, close to where we bought the, the piece of land and it's been there for like since the 1600s. Um, and in Ireland, that would be a holy well. You know, all wells are holy wells, really. You know, all these little wells that exist naturally are holy wells, the holy wells of Ireland. They reckon there's about 7,000 of them, 3,000 that are listed uh, in Ireland. And here, of course, there's lots of wells, but they're not feminized. So there's a plaque of a man, like with a giant nose from the 1600s, you know, um, and it's his well. Mm. It's like, right, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. It's like, it's the female, it's the feminine holy well that's just been it's amazing that it's still there and the water quality is beautiful, but it's just interesting to see what happened here. And that didn't happen in Ireland. Actually, we didn't lose the thread of the feminine. Yeah. We managed to hold on to it, you know, despite the Catholic church and patriarchy's best efforts. I mean, what happened to Irish women was abominable. It's amongst some of the worst abuses that women have suffered anywhere on the planet ever. Mm. And I often wonder like, why was it so ferocious and horrendous i mean you just can't believe some of the stories you know they've actually been locked away that's why the stories have been locked away for another whatever 30 years you know they're trying to not allow these stories to come out into the public you know mm. um and i kind of wonder like at the same time we we still had the holy wells and you know there's a great devotion to our lady in ireland um and to the rosary despite everything um, but how they how they did what they did to the women and, you know, in a fairly short space of time, you know, mm. from the founding of the state, really. Um, it was a terrible betrayal what happened. But I see here in, in, in Germany that the feminine is not so strong mm -hmm. in that way. You know, the goddess, does, the goddess culture is gone from here. Yeah. 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 I'm so interested in how this happened and played out in different parts of the of the country, the world too. Um, well, and I feel like you're also speaking to another thing that I, I, I like to um, just approach with guests and that is your understanding of, I, I say the sacred feminine. I've, I've had some interesting conversations with people lately who, you know, I, I'm not attached to that language nor do I put that on anyone else. So I don't know if that resonates for you or not, but um, I'm curious about your experience of the sacred feminine. If, as you said, you know, that she was sort of present for you always, like as a, as a spiritual force, or was there a time in your life that she came more forward or how that's. Yeah. I know what you're saying as well about the language, because I feel like, you know, at the moment I've kind of like, I have a bit of a, a what's the word? Like, like resistance to a lot of the, to the word sacred. It's like so overused, you know? Mm, um uh -huh. and it's not our fault because yeah you know, people are resonating with us so they're using it but it, it's a bit like 
love or peace or you know it becomes like what does it even mean yes um, and it needs to be picked apart a bit more I think to get to the heart of it because the word in itself is so used that it doesn't feel what it is anymore you know mm-hmm. so um for me it's like about this everyday sacred like and that's my work with Growler has really helped that in the um I definitely grew up like my grandfather who I wasn't particularly close to but he was so devoted to Holy Mary you know he called her Holy Mary mm-hmm. and I had this little prayer that was handed down from my grandmother that I didn't know well I knew her up until I was two but she died of a brain tumor and seemingly I was very close to her and I'm, I've heard from many people that I'm very like her mm-hmm. um and uh she Kitty was her name and she used to say, uh, Holy Mary, spread your blue mantle around little whoever it was and keep them safe and pure. Amen. And that was my bedtime prayer, you know. So mm. then when I got older, it went, the prayer went because, you know, teenagers and rejecting everything or whatever. <laughs> but I would go straight away to that prayer if I was worried. Anything. Any, so it, it, she was definitely always present. And then I became involved. Um, I won't get into it too much now, but I became involved very, very heavily uh, it's funny because somebody else asked me about it today and I said no I'm not ready to talk about that yet in public but I'll mention it Um, I was heavily involved in a cult like proper hardcore cult for years um, and they did have a divine mother aspect to it so you know the divine mother has definitely always been present in my life and uh, it is you know I'm not ashamed to say it that it is holy Mary you know to me that's she is like the embodiment of the feminine within the Catholic Church. The, for me, the only kind of selling point, you know, mm-hmm. and the history of the rosary and all of this kind of thing. It's just fascinating that it was almost like a, a dissident prayer at one stage. And I know the Protestants got rid of her and got rid of it. And the Catholics at one stage were like, oh, this is too much. You know, they're they're into the divine feminine too much. We better squash that. So you know, the poorer people then had just little seeds in their pocket and they'd say the prayer. And we know that the rosary's roots now are pagan roots. Like it's, mm-hmm. it comes from the rose garland. It's the goddess worship and so on. So again, it's that thing of like, it's that continuous line, you know. Um, but I am kind of like, oh God, the word divine, the word sacred, the word spirituality, what does that even mean anymore? So for me, it's an everyday thing. And it is definitely an alive thing in my life. And Growler, you know, she's living in Berlin. She's living in a bit of a skanky part of Berlin and there's pigeons and there's rats. They're her spirit animals. You know, she doesn't have eagles or jaguars or wolves even. <laughs> She's with the, the rats and the pigeons, you know, and the crows, all the kind of like punky animals. Mm. Um, and she sets up her altars in really the darkest places, you know, where there's these poor souls that have no homes or whatever under bridges um, in really busy motorways, you know, because what what being with her it sounds like I sound like a crazy person they're talking about her in the third person but being with Growler what has shown me is actually that the earth is still there beneath the concrete yes she is still there the holy wells are still there they're bubbling up between cement and concrete you know whispering remember Growler tells me this you know it's still there the energy is still there you just need to connect with it and the physical is just one plane so you know, she, Growler would say, sure, l- listen, you know, a, a rat has as much right to existence as an eagle, you know, and we've as much to learn about and actually a lot of resilience. Like there's a lot of resilience to living in a city. You see, you see nature. So it's, 
you know, dandelions cracking up between the skankiest place, like, and there's the dandelion, Harriet, uh-huh. with their amazing medicine. Like, dandelion is one of the most powerful plants in the world. And there it is. I'll grow anywhere. You know, uh-huh. I'll take the shirt off any man's back. So it's like, I feel like everything is sacred. Uh-huh. And I don't want to dilute the word, but it is actually. That's 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 the thing. Everything is sacred. Oh, I so feel that. And um, so I've got multiple thoughts here. One thing that popped to mind as you were talking about the dandelion, I, I met a guy a few years ago who told me um, that nature has a way of showing up and offering medicine to people, even if they don't know it. So he was giving me the example of these like um, psychedelic mushrooms that like show up in suburban lawns and people don't know what they are. And they just feel like, you know, mowing them over, but like they're there as medicine. And so, you know, dandelion there um, as medicine for whatever that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of eyes, you know, even for the eyes, it's just a little bright, like look at them, you know? Yes. They're so gorgeous. The other thing I wanted to say about the word sacred, and I was, it's funny because I, I love that word, but I hear what you're saying and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, ah, oh. I wonder if part of it is the way in which um, capitalism gets hold of everything and sort of turns it into a, um, a, a sellable commodity, you know, for example. So then we think we need a, a special crystal that came from halfway around the world that we'd have yeah. no idea what the ethics of for how it was accessed and who got it and white sage and who, Santo. yes yeah. and whose hands touched it on the way to reach yeah. you all of that i wonder if that's that's part of the um dilution of the power of that word too because i totally agree with you like what is sacred is uh you know i mean can we find it in like the squirrel that's running up the tree outside of my my house mm. Um, yeah, certainly that would have been the way for our ancestors, right? They weren't shipping off to like, you know, here, no. let me pick out this random crystal, uh, in a catalog and have it shipped to me. And again, like, yeah, I, but again, I'm feeling at the moment for some reason, just this huge compassion, yes. even for that, even yeah. for that, because I'm like, God love us. You know, we're so far removed from our being from yes. our, we are God's dreaming itself into reality i believe i I, it's it's, for me it's all one and i know again i don't want to dilute that meaning either but i'm feeling that more and more and more you know Mm -hmm. um and tapping into that like i kind of feel oh god love us you know getting the crystals and i'm wanting to connect like so i mean i think the antidote to that is is to just connect wherever you are like and i i definitely had a crisis a few years ago of going i need to get back to the land you know yes era the ghost of air like i was just obsessed with getting back to a field in Ireland like and mm-hmm. it was really hard it was really hard for my husband you know he was like do you know what that means and you know what that means for our family and I was kind of like on this thing I'm only going to be I'm only going to feel connected if I'm there and actually that's not my path no. so I've had to accept that my you know permaculture of the heart you know that actually I am my own landscape and ever since I started doing that, I just noticed that my compassion is just blown wide open, you know, mm-hmm. um, for everybody, like for, you know, it's because when people are doing terrible things, it's because they're completely lost. Now, don't get me wrong, Liz, if somebody, if I was in a bunker in Ukraine now and somebody was killing my family, I tell you the rage I'd feel it'd be Cali and yeah. the hate, you know, yeah. I'm not under any illusions, but 
I feel now that I spent a lot of my life definitely searching and uh, thinking that I had to be on a specific kind of path in order to, I suppose, in order to be good or, or to attain whatever. And I've, yeah. I've kind of given it all up. I've basically given everything up except what I enjoy. Mm. Um, and prayers that I enjoy, I say, if I feel like sitting by the altar, I will. And funny enough, since I've taken any kind of practice out of my life, um, I feel way more connected. Mm. Absolutely way more connected, you know. I used to be quite like, right, I'm going to go about five and I'm going to start yoga. And then, of course, I'd, I'd have this motivation for five days and then I'd be on the beer and, you know, smoking <laughs> cigarettes on the balcony. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going, what am I doing? So, um, and I, I also have an autoimmune disease that I'm dealing with every day. So I'm kind of a moderation person. I'm a bit like Cinderella. I, I can't actually overdo it too much or, or get really sick but um I was also trying to find answers to why my body was the way it was and I've just given up I'm like it is the way it is and I love it the way it is it's messy and complicated and you know unreliable and um all sorts of things happen all the time and I'm just here I'm just trying to really follow that joy and I've noticed as well you know this attainment for happiness that's another thing as well that I've kind of given up is trying to be happy um and more so realizing that the more I'm living my purpose actually the more satisfied I am so it's more about satisfaction and that's a very recent uh what's the word realization it's like I was kind of going why am I so happy at the moment why am I why am I not craving anything actually um other than a bit of chocolate every now and again or whatever um and it's because i'm definitely living my life on purpose you know mm. and that's a total blessing doesn't mean mm. that it's going to be easy or that you're going to have plenty of free time it doesn't mean that at all but um and i've also noticed that i'm really enjoying being around other people that are living their life on purpose you know mm -hmm. just mm. finding their purpose yeah. And there's lots of purposes. I'm not saying that there's one purpose, yeah. but there's, there's lots of them. And that's really, it's, it's satisfying more than happy. You know? Yes. I love that distinction. Um, I love that you just, you presenced compassion in that way too, of, you know, non-judgment too, is what I'm hearing, you know, just sort of acceptance of where we all are in this, this journey. Um, and I, I want to talk to you about purpose then and like what that looks like for you uh, and how that how that comes through in your, well, I was going to say perhaps your purpose is your art or I tell me, tell me about your purpose. Well, you know, um, I've always been very driven. Like I, th I think I, I, I'm, I'm double Pisces with um, my moon and Taurus, but I used to think that I was Pisces Aries. And I do think there's an Aries in there somewhere because I'm really driven. I'm like, I came into the world ready to roll, you know, mm. always doing something, but kind of a bit like, not, not like a headless chicken, because I definitely knew from a very early age, for example, that I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. And that gave me a lot of, per I've always had a certain kind of purpose, but this is a different thing. I always felt like, you know, when I was younger, I, I'm going to get somewhere, there's going to be a big magnum opus or something. I didn't know what it was, but it felt like it was something there's something bigger, you know, or I don't know, something's around the corner. And since I started making art um, and really getting into the process of it and really going, oh, my God, this is mad. This is this is actually medicine. 
It's not just like yes. I'm saying it. It's actually medicine. I've never been healthier. I've never been more energized. I've never, you know, like I've had really rough health crisis in my life, really bad. I'm one of those people that's either, you know, on their deathbed or just never sick. And then with the with the autoimmune thing, it's it's consistent and chronic. Um, it's had to be dealt with. And I don't know why, but I'm I'm just like, I'm like, I feel like I'm in my 20s or better than I was when I was in my 20s. So it's the energy really that I'm noticing. And I'm menopausal, like I'm nearly 50. So it's like, God, that's mad. I'm I'm like, am I just going to escape this or maybe I'll crash or whatever. But I think it's actually the purpose thing. It's the energy. And so I would say, of course, like there's different aspects of our lives. Like you have kids and, you know, you're a mother, you're a daughter, you're a friend. You're... But art is absolutely my happy place. Like, like I'm just in nirvana when i'm the my favorite thing to do is to be there with a pencil and my notebook listening to an audiobook or a podcast and it's so pleasurable that i feel this is my other catholic side probably coming in i feel guilty you know <laughs> i'm like this is so nice that i should be doing something else I should make the dinner clean the house you know whatever because i'm like how can this be this good i i can't explain it's ex- mm. ex- it's kind of ecstasy mm. I know sometimes musicians get it, yeah. you know, when they're playing, when they're performing and when they're connecting with an audience. But I get that with a pencil. Mm. <laughs> Take that I, the wrong way. I, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, well, and tell me about the, and I, oh, I want to talk about growlers too, but I, let's, let's, let's keep yeah. this thread and I'm going to trust she's going to, you know, it'll, it'll, that'll come back around, but, um, it, and maybe this is where it will tell me about the, the, the feminine, you know, you reference, um, I know you talked about the feminine, like shadow, uh, yeah. but also just the feminine in general, how does that play out in your, your art? Um, well, I know, like I, I started making art because, um, we basically had to move from Ireland because we lost our home that we were renting and I was devastated. We were living beside my parents and my mother has dementia. And I thought that that was going to be our forever home. We thought we were going to buy that home. And, um, the landlords wanted it back and we I just was like I, I, I fell into a black hole straight away and cried for weeks and didn't sleep for weeks Um, um I've made the decision very quickly to move to Berlin because we had friends and my brother was here so it was basically a survival thing but that I started making art then um, and because you know Richie my husband was like Dee you'll have to do something because I can't manage this level of anxiety and I'm a highly anxious person anyway. I'm like rabbit in the headlights. I've got a very um, highly attuned nervous system. Always have had. I'm a worry wart. Um, but instead of, so I, I, and you know, therapy is a bit slow. Like it's, I'm, I'm not against it, but this was immediate. I needed something immediately before I was going to have a breakdown. And I literally just started drawing. Mm-hmm. And that everything was, was all about the female. It was all about the feminine. And it was this thing as well of like, finding out about what happened in Chum. Chum is a mother and baby home in Ireland where they found the bodies of 900 babies between the ages of three weeks and three years old hidden in a septic tank, oh, unnamed, but in oh. a septic tank, in a shit pit, essentially. Oh, wow. Um, in one home. So there's estimated 9,000 babies in unmarked graves around Ireland. And they all died within a, you know, probably a 60-year period or maybe even less. Wow. And... 
I was listening to this report on the on the radio and I started drawing um, the Virgin Mary with a massive vulva and turning into a tree like the, the Mary tree where the baby's then. So basically, essentially, the, the image was that I wanted to imagine taking those babies out of that really dark place and putting them into clean earth. And also the irony of those women and what they went through, they were probably calling out to her. And yet she is used as this like oppressive icon of how women should be. Mm-hmm. So the complexity and the paradox and the duality and the weirdness of it all. Um, and that's when I started to work with the shadow because I'm quite an angry person. You know, mm-hmm. I have some temper on me like and I'm, I've done things that were, you know, I don't know, shameful. I haven't really ever really physically hurt anybody, but I've got a pretty ferocious temper. Yeah. And a really bad tongue. Like when I'm when I'm dark, it's like expletives, Cali, get out of my way. You know, my boys are like psycho mother, basically. Um, yeah, I, I I know that mother. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar. I'm yeah. psycho mother. I'm generally like this, so it's really scary when it happens, and the yeah. energy of it is so potent. So, and I'm surrounded by men. I don't have any sisters. Um, I've got three brothers. They're all very gentle, actually. My dad is a total soft teddy bear gentleman that I was raised with good men. My husband is lovely, gentle, and I'm this raging ball of anger most of the time. And like I remember growing up and my dad was like, God, don't talk to her, like close the door or, you know, because I was temper, a temper, you know. And then realizing this is shadow stuff. This is feminine shadow stuff. This is female shadow stuff. And my brother, who's like my twin, nine years apart, I say, because um, I was a twin and my mother then miscarried one of the twins mm-hmm. um, when she was pregnant. I think it was him coming back again nine years later. He is the yeah. opposite of me. He is light, shining, bright, shiny, sunshine boy. And we're very, very close. And he'd always be saying, you're very angry, you know, like you want to be. Can you not maybe would you not do like a, a brighter picture or whatever? It's always very, angry, you know, because my early work as well was very dark. And a part of me was going, fuck you. No, I can't actually. This is what's coming up. And like people relate to it. People are relating to this. And this is what is, this is my medicine. I'm not doing it to hurt people. I'm not doing it to bring more darkness into the world. It's cathartic. And for some reason it's transmutive, you know. I actually have a piece here that's been sitting on my desk for weeks because it fell out of my folder. But this is one of the pieces that um, you can see it there. This is like, uh, it's a Kali piece and that's that's how I feel often about what's happening to women in the world yes. that's actually how I feel and can it's you describe amounts. her for yeah, people so who like, are listening yeah it's a it's a self-portrait and it's equal amounts of uh sorrow and rage and she's armless she can't defend herself she's being abused and raped and used over and over and over again she's furious but she can't do anything about it She's wounded um, and she's, you know, the vagina dentata, Kali. It's just a wild piece of I feel of how I feel sometimes. And when I when I hear about, you know, Ukrainian women being raped by Russians, when I hear about what happened to the women in Chum in Ireland, when I hear, you know, about random women just being killed for walking down the road, you know, like this is this is it. This is what I feel. And. If anybody got in my way, let me tell you, I just, and so, but you know yourself, it's so, it's, 
like female rage, I don't think the world even knows yet what's coming because I think we're really in the Kali area and the Kali Yuga. That's what the Indian mythology would say is that we're living in the Kali Yuga now we're in Kali's time. And, you know, what we're doing to the earth is a direct reflection of what we're doing to women. Yeah. Um, and it's just abominable and yeah. devastating. It's devastating. It's what's it's it's the cause of everything, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm getting all worked up now. But when I when I made this piece, I was in Greece and it was on one of those stupid little Ryanair like weekend away things that we were doing for to bring our boys to see places in Europe. And um, I, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but the place that we went to uh, Thessaloniki, it's it's so beautiful and it's so old. But the beach was full of plastic. There was like little scabby cats going around, you know, homeless cats. There was a lot of really poor people there. There was a lot of people begging. It was, there was a lot of like the plastic in the, in the ocean I thought was like jellyfish. And I was thinking to myself, what am I doing here? This is madness. This is not like, what am I doing? I don't want to be a tourist anymore on the planet. Yeah. I want to connect with a place. I don't want to drop in on a terrible environmentally unfriendly so I actually made myself sick and I couldn't go out for three days mm. so my boys had to go out like and they went on a tour around Thessaloniki and they were like oh gosh she's off on one you know and I drew this picture because I felt like this is what we're doing to the earth this is what we're doing to the ocean and this is how she feels sometimes you know mm-hmm. she also feels like a soft meadow and hope and you know whatever she feels all that but this is kind of this is this is the shadow that I work with a lot and I was a little bit afraid, afraid on and off, you know, because I was thinking, um, oh, my God, is it like, is it going to damage me? Is it like, am I hurting my health? You know, because a lot of people are very much in the light, you know, and that's yes. I've, really, I've, I've learned a lot about that. Like, that's very, very masculine in a way. Yes, it you is. Know, bright, shiny, sunshine. Let's let's just keep going, you know, and let's find solutions and let's invent tech is going to save us. You know, um, yes. I feel like that's all very, and there's a denial of the suffering. Yes. Um, and I'm not afraid to go there, really. And I realized, actually, I can go there and I can come back again. And actually going there, my hand is held by her. Yes. Whoever she is. Maybe it's Kelly. Maybe it's, I don't know, Mary Magdalene. You know, she's, my hand is held by the reviled woman. And prone and um I come back stronger and actually brighter able to be more bright in my life in my own life um yeah so yeah yeah and I um I wonder if it's all right with you if I might be able to put an image of that in the show notes so people who are yeah of course I can can send you send you JPEG yeah it's quite powerful it looks like I don't know if those are flames coming out of her breast or like you know she's just she's she's got a lot of power and her hair is like reminds me a little bit of Medusa with snakes but yeah that's what I was thinking yeah very fierce and well and I I'm thinking about um you know that the rage that you're speaking to and how it can be a lot of things like it can be personal, right? If you've experienced mm. trauma and anything that's happened to you that where you didn't have a voice. And I, yeah, I think it can be ancestral, like our mothers and our, their mothers yeah. certainly didn't have voices. And I don't know how you feel about this too, but I also think of it as, um, 
you know, if this is all like divine mother creation, then there is collective rage and you being able to be a portal and a channel for that mm. to safely move through, uh, is, is very powerful. It's a gift and it's an honor in mm. a way. Um, and I was going to say it's sacred, which I know how you feel about that word, but, no, um, but I, it no, feels I mean, very use, sacred to me. I use that word sacred all the time. It's, yeah. it's like, absolutely. I'm not going to stop using it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual, <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep using that word as well. No. Uh, there's hallowed, there's holy. I was looking up synonyms for sacred once, and you know, there. I like, I actually like holy. I do like holy, you know. I like yeah. hallowed too. That feels like ground, hallowed, yeah. you know, hallowed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, so tell me about, um, tell me about Growler and how she, how she showed came up for you. Yeah. How she came through. Such a funny journey because we were having a, we organized an arts festival here, here me and my husband and um, three friends, my brother and two very, very talented, special friends here in Berlin, all Irish. And it was basically after a couple of years, me and my husband were like, OK, we need to talk about Ireland. And we realized how wounded we were, um, you know, the exile thing. Like we never expected to leave Ireland close to middle age with our young okay. family because yes. we couldn't afford to live in a yes. working class area despite the fact that I was a, you know, permanent whole time teacher in a very good school. And my husband was a carpenter, you know, yeah, yeah. the life that was on offer was, 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 to be honest, it was just grind and really, really hard. Yeah. And cultureless in a way, you know, cause I don't know about you, but the, the suburbs are pretty soulless and um, yeah. it's kind of like you're resigned to just like, oh, well, you know, here's where you go into your box and, so coming to Berlin was a real opportunity for change. And after about two years, we started talking about Ireland. So we kind of came up with this idea to have this festival where we bring together all these Irish exiles. I don't know if they'd want to be called exiles um, artists who left Ireland for one reason or another. And there's always pain associated with leaving your home. Yes. You know, I don't care what anybody says. Um, and Ireland is so beautiful. You know, Liz, it's, it's just it really it's is so beautiful and it's it was so painful to leave there you know because it's a kind of a magical place but it's also got really really dark shadowy stuff and one of those shadows is housing it's really a blight on the Irish psyche because it goes back to the famine it goes back to colonization and and now it's like one of the most expensive places to live in the world and you've got like you know adult kids living in their parents three-bedroomed houses because they can't afford to move out they can't even afford to have kids you know Mm -hmm. I know it's not just happening in Ireland but it's a particularly Irish kind of wound around housing and eviction and all these kinds of things so craw was basically about what's craw is a term for um a bird's neck Mm. or a bird's gullet and something gets stuck in your craw it means it's something that you want to say and you don't know if you should say it because it's Mm -hmm. probably going to it's probably not an easy thing to say but if it gets stuck in your craw then it's like it's going to cause you problems so we, we named the festival craw so of course if you invite in the craw you're inviting in the shadow um, and it was a really successful festival but at the time I had I, I, I suffered from endometriosis uh, quite severe my whole life and it came back in full force just before craw so I started bleeding around the beginning of May and craw happened in the solstice in June and the bleeding didn't stop and Growler was being born at that time. Um, 
so imagine I, I I'd basically just been bleeding really, really heavily for six weeks um, and in the build up to Craw. And I was working with all this dark, shadowy, feminine stuff and like really on a mission, but I didn't really know what it was. And I, I at the time, I didn't really know how to protect myself either. I didn't know about I'm not saying I know anymore now, but I definitely hold space in a way that's I feel protected, whereas then I probably was wide open. Yeah. And um, my friend who made Growler, uh, she was I'd asked her to make me a hand glove puppet like that. I wanted to have a conversation with my vagina. And what would she say if she was an old gee bag? Gee bag is like a terrible word for for a vagina in Ireland, for a vulva in Ireland. Um, and she came back basically with the structure of Growler. The next day, and she was like, "Dee, I think it needs to be this. I think it needs to be the full thing." So it was very emotional. Like I climbed into the costume, and I immediately started singing Ave Maria, and Ava, who made her, started crying. Like, uh. and we both got very emotional, you know. And so it just so for people who haven't seen it, I want to make yeah. I'll make sure I'll put something in the show notes, too. But it is a full bodied vulva costume, yeah. right? Head to toe. You were covered. Yeah. Yeah. And also with a, with a Holy Mary cape and yes. Um, yes. like Wonder Woman. And so basically Growler up until that point had been an online secret where I was an agony aunt and I had drawn a picture of Growler as like in what what would an 80 an 80 year old well at the time she was 79 she's actually 82 now <laughs> i said 81 but she's 82 but um with a, an old vulva with like gypsy earrings and she has a cigarette coming out <laughs> she's like and growler gives advice to people on my friend's online magazine and my friend kept saying to me do you need to tell people who you are like and i was actually liz i was terrified i was like they're going to get me like the establishment yeah. the priests I'm going to be attacked. Yeah. My kids are going to be taken off me. Like I, I went to that place in my head because I realized, and I realized a lot since then, like that was my ancestors. Like, because one generation ago, I would have been locked up for yes. being who I am. Yes. Um. So, but Grella came out at Craw. She came out at the festival and the Irish ambassador was there. And um, I had a total meltdown in the middle of the performance. I forgot everything. I forgot my lines and and Growler just basically walked off after five minutes and said, I've had enough. And everybody thought it was part of the act and that the old crone vagina had had enough, you know, and she's walked off the stage and everybody thought it was great. And I knew the minute I came off, I was like, Ava and my husband were kind of upset for me, you know, because they loved yeah. me. And they were like, oh, Dee, don't worry about it. And I was like, I'm absolutely not worried about it. I feel great. And that this is the beginning of something. And now I've had really hard gigs since then. Like I've performed to total silence to people not getting it at all on the back of a truck. I've like, I've, you know, really put myself out there in all kinds of scenarios because I was getting to know Growler. I didn't yeah. really know what she was, you know? Um, and I, I spoke to several friends of mine who were involved in kind of shamanic work um, and, you know, several friends who would be healers and who would be holding space and stuff because, you know, a couple of times, people had said to me, oh, you need to be very careful with what you're doing here. This is not a joke, you know, um, yeah. kind of in a little stabby way. It wasn't really coming from a place of it was more like, oh, you, you, you need to watch your step. You know, you're playing here. You're playing with fire kind of. So but I spoke to a couple of people that I really trusted. And then I spoke to Growler and I was like, Growler, what's the crack here? Like, what is this? What are we doing? And I tried to give her up a few times because it was just too hard. Um, and also when I'm out in public, I always make sure that I have a man with me, you know, like I have to have 
a big fella guarding the space because I'm like, fuck that, you don't know, you know, some lunatic could come along, like I'm not an idiot, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of involved then having, it's not just something that I can do on my own. Um, And in fairness, my husband's really supportive. Like if 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 I ever felt unsafe, he's like there, you know. Um, And usually two people if I'm out in public. And then, so after a couple of really hard gigs where I came home kind of devastated um, and I don't know what happened. It wasn't that I was poorly received. It was just, I was just devastated after the performances. Um, I try and stop. I say, that's it. I'm hang- you know, Growler, you're hanging up your flaps. You had a limited run. And then, I don't know, just it, it, she, she started to get a bit stronger and I'd try and not do anything. And then she'd say something to me. It's like she talks to me, you know, and just one more, just one more. Let's just have one more gig. And then what starts to happen then when I put on the costume is that I would actually, um, it's not like an outer body experience because I'm fully present. I'm fully there, but I'm also not like, I'm, there's also definitely a part of me that is somewhere else. And a lot of what happens in Growler is spontaneous. And um, when she's, when when I'm in her, I feel like I'm in an ancestor. She smells like an ancestor. She mm. smells like ceremony. She smells like fire and sage. And she smells like mugwort. Um, she smells like dandelions. She smells like old tights. You know, she's like, she's like my granny's house or something that I never knew. And mm. um, I feel completely uh, enmeshed and entwined and really like, it's like I put her on and I'm, uh, part of me is really home. Mm. and as time has gone on like I'm like oh my god I love her like I love her she's amazing you know I love her I love the costume I really mind her like I'm like oh you know she needs a bit of TLC and when she's going on the plane like she's she's with me I don't put her underneath you know um and I just feel really it sounds like a mad thing to say because I know she is me and it's like saying you love a part of yourself but that's okay too she's changed my life my fear of death my fear of flying my fear of a lot of things is gone like actually just evaporated um because of her you know and now things are really starting to happen like in a way that uh, I had prayed for this year you know I said look I want to get Grailer to a wider audience because I think she has something to say and and I notice as well that you know people who really connect with her like they really love her like I do yeah and they talk about Grailer like separate to me you know and after my performances a lot of the time people don't know who I am and that's great like it's a connection it's a disconnect from the ego you know yes really healthy like for me as a performer to not um you know for that not to go to my ego or whatever you know so she's so she's separate and she's not and I feel like she might have a limited run I don't know but for now it's like it's a constant tap of flow and I mean, I don't have enough hours in the day to record everything that she says and does in the songs. It's like a backlog of, I could, I have enough for 10 shows. Like I have enough for 10 hours. A girl could just start and, and do 10 hours, you know? Yes. So, yeah. Wow. So it's a really, it's a, I feel really, oh my God, very, 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 very lucky that this has happened at this point in my life, you know? Yes. And I, I just want to witness or just say to you, I mean, from this side of it, um, you know, stepping into 
a character just saying yes, saying yes to her, you know, for wanting to show up and, and be so forward. It's, I have to imagine that takes a lot of courage, a lot mm. of courage. The, you could probably come up with 50 reasons why you'd say, no, thanks. This is, yeah. this is hard. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather show up in a different way, but, um, but you said yes. And I think that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there was those times where it was going, what the fuck am I doing? This is madness, you know, like yeah. going on the back of a bus or a, a trailer that's moving, you know, with no microphone and like in crowds, like for protests and stuff, you know, for um, pro-choice rallies and stuff, which I, I think there's a, definitely a place for Growler there. But, sh- you know, showing up as at the bottom of the pile, you know, as a performer starting late in life um. I'm, you know, I, I only started being an artist a few years ago and a performance artist, like only since Growler was born, you know? Yeah. So starting at the bottom feeling like I don't have to do this. This is what am I doing? You know, this is mad. I'm putting myself at risk here. Sometimes it has felt like as well. Yeah. Um, not so much now because I, I know now what I don't mean. I know what she is, but I know now I've very boundaries, you know, around where I'll play and how I'll play. And um, it's definitely theater performative space yeah it's not at a rowdy gig with drunken people you know oh it's, no it, yeah. it's not that but I, but I did do things like that because I didn't know yeah. in the early days I didn't know I was like you know I would I would get invited and I go yeah sure this is great you know this, and and it was that they were hard those gigs were hard yeah. so it's nice that you're saying yeah you showed up I mean it's just mental when I think about it sometimes when I stand back and I go and I look at Growler I look at the things it's <laughs> absolutely bonkers that I've ended up doing this I don't even know where why or where I came from it's like the opposite of of what a good Catholic girl should be doing you know I mean people see and I'm not a good Catholic girl but you know it's like I guess it's it's heretic blasphemic you know whatever yeah Yeah. and so needed well God is so needed (laughs) Uh, right I mean we need more blasphemy please bring it on um well and I I I'm curious, you know, I know that you have mentioned elsewhere that you're interested in this idea of, of activism, art as activism or artivism, as you would say. And I wonder, like when I hear you describing Growler, I, I think of her in that way, but I wonder if you would say the same or how you would kind of describe that idea of, of yeah. artivism. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think I've always been drawn to that, like, because I've always been an activist, you know, yeah. Um as, as soon as I could start going to protests or whatever, I'd be going and I would identify, you know, as not anymore, but I would have identified as left wing. And, you know, like mm-hmm. politics now for me is a different thing, but um, not, I'm not, I, I don't want to get into politics, but you know what I'm saying? There was a time where it was like clear what these things were. Now it's yes. just, like I said, it's a big, crazy, entangled mishmash. Yes. I'm a human being alive on the planet trying to be good you know, and live some kind of a meaningful life. That's what I'm doing. Um, so not that I don't think there is a place for politics or, or all of these structures. I mean, we're still in the process of using them. And therefore, I think it's absolutely worthwhile to have good, conscionable people in there, you know, on behalf of others. I absolutely believe that. But I do think there's also a role for artists. And of course, not every artist has to be an activist, yeah. but I definitely am. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I draw everything that I draw or everything that I make or everything that I do is coming from my own thoughts and experiences and interactions with the world. And it tends to be, I guess it tends to be 
yeah, activist and political, I suppose, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to shy away from that, regardless of what effects that might have on my career. You know, <laughs> as I said, I'm a late bloomer. The one good thing about being a late bloomer is that I don't really have any uh, grand expectations, you know? Um, I'm not like... I don't have a trajectory or oh, here's where I want to be in five years time. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is an amazing ride. This is great. I'm having mm-hmm. a great time. And in the, and yeah. in the process, trying to get across how I feel about life. Yeah. There's something about that that feels very, you know, if we're going to use the terms feminine, masculine energy, there's something about that that feels very feminine energy to me too. Just following the flow, not trying to put guardrails on it. It's got to go here, but just allowing it to be. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to make sure I ask you to, before we run out of time, I, I've got to hear about this Holy Cunt Collective. Please tell me what this is. <laughs> yeah, so Holy Cunt is um, Ava Garland, um, my friend Yagama, Liliana Velasquez, Nessa, Finnegan. Who else am I? I'm going to forget somebody now, really obvious. Ava, Nessa, me, Yagama. That's it. Yeah, and there's more. So it's basically, you don't need to name all those people, but they're my sisters. They're my sisters in crime. We are definitely the renegades and the dissidents, you know, like the scurvy elephants and the pigeons and the the foxes, the urban foxes, uh, honoring the divine sacred feminine. Actually, that's what we say. That's That's our mission statement in whatever way we deem appropriate and in whatever artistic expression so you know we have burlesque artists we have stand-up comics we have puppet makers we have painters we have you know performance artists um it started with me and ava at the very beginning me ava and yagama who were we were we'd worked together before and ava had made greller and then we just decided to have an exhibition and it was i think the first one was in 2019 and I think we've had five since then. And now it's just getting bigger. The collective is getting bigger, which is kind of really nice to see it blossom and new members come in um, and working together. And it's it's a total joy and it's hilarious and it's great fun. And it's, you know, the cunt in all her magical, mystical glory. And it's kind of mad. Um, our last shop that we had was pop-up shop and performance and just some of the, the things that were made, you know, it's really, it's hard to, it's, it's like not polished. There's absolutely nothing polished about us in that kind of, you know, and not that I'm against Yoni steaming or anything like that, but not polished and not precious, mm-hmm. you know, we're there messy. We're mothers breastfeeding. I'm not anymore breastfeeding, which is a long time ago now. Um, but, you know, there's that kind of, messy rawness I suppose mm-hmm. and it's just great I just love them I love every single one of those women and mm-hmm. it's so much fun as well actually it's just so much fun so we're really starting to kind of get momentum now and we have a very big festival coming up um 48 hours in Neukölln in Berlin um in a very popular venue so we're going to take over the venue for the whole day and Growler will be there banging her drum mm-hmm. calling everybody to attention um, <sighs> I yeah, wish I were so in Berlin. I'd like to come. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great fun. There's also another um, <clears throat> next week in Ireland, actually, the Period Revolution. It's the first festival of its kind in Ireland, and it's run by Kitty Maguire, 
I can send you the link maybe because um, there's going to be some amazing performers there as well. And the whole weekend is all about the feminine. There's going to be red tents. There's going to be yoni, jewellery, paraphernalia. It's a whole festival for the yoni, uh, for the wow. vulva, for the, for the cunt, you know. Yeah. Um, and then and and then at the end we're having a cunt cabaret. Oh, um and Kitty really has helped me to uh, take back the word cunt, you know, because in Ireland it's used as a really bad word. Yeah, and same here. Irish people yeah. we curse a lot, like you know, it's part of our vernacular. And that word is just used, it's like the worst thing you can say to somebody, you know. Yeah. Um, yes. So Kitty has really taken it back and in just a really juicy, healthy way. And mm. um it feels really good now. It doesn't, I don't have any negative connotations with it anymore. It's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying this word and, it, um, and it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, so that's happening uh, next weekend in Ireland. And I'm really excited about that as well. Oh, so I love just, that. Yes. If you share the link, I'll put it in the show notes, although this might air after it happens, but um, people yeah. can still go and read about it. And I yeah. might, I'll look around, but I'm pretty sure the word cunt has origins in the sacred feminine too like so many words to describe females that started eventually having um sacred connotations so uh, i i know yeah. i've read i know i've read that so i'll put that in the yeah. show notes too i'll dig that up and put that in the show notes even the word gossip you know the word gossip yes. meant 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 women having a chat yes like you know everything yeah but should we know we know that story you know how it all went and the witch burnings yes. and everything we didn't even touch on that but um oh i know yeah yeah there's there's errors and errors of i know much we <laughs> could cover oh my gosh well um i just want to thank you for your time this was such a wonderful i don't like that that's the wrong word i started to say delightful and that feels a little precious whatever it's a great conversation <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was absolutely really good. Delightful. I'm in great form. I'm really honored and kind of like um, humbled, like to be here and to talk like this for an hour about my work. It's just like, why would I not? It's amazing. Oh wow! Well, it's a privilege to be in conversation with you. I'd love to share, um, you know, some of your art on. I'll, I'll put some in the show. We'll we'll talk, and you know, I'll put some yeah. links in the show notes, and then also on social media. If you follow me, especially on Instagram at Home to Her, I've got a Facebook group too, also Home to Her. But I'll I'll share some there as well. Um, how can people find out more about you? Um, I've got my website, which I can also put in the links, and then all my all my handles on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are at D Mulrooney, D W E Mulrooney. Okay. Okay. Actually, sorry, right. Growler's on TikTok. I'm, I'm on TikTok. I'm speechless. I, can't go there. I, I yeah, like I yeah, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Growler's if, on TikTok. She doesn't have many followers yet, but she, you know she's pretty ambitious. So <laughs> I love it. I'm like, okay, if Growler can figure it out, maybe I can one of these days. Every time I go there, I'm like, no, no, I've got to leave. Um, <laughs> so fast, so fast, you know? so fast. I know. Yeah. Oh, well, Dee, thank you so much for your time and for being here with us. I'm so grateful. And you, Liz, really very much appreciate it. And I really appreciate your lovely professionalism and organization. It was absolutely a pleasure. And the structure as well of how you do the podcast. I'm really impressed and inspired. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a joy for me to do this. And um, I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening and watching. If, if you're listening, don't forget, we do. I do have... Um, a channel on YouTube called Home to Her. I, I'm not promoting it as much just because I'm so used to the audio, but especially if you know anybody who's hearing impaired and they want to access these conversations, they can find it there with captions, or if you're just really curious what Dee and I look like. 
as we're having this conversation and you want to see us, you can, you can hop over there too. Um, and as always, listen, if you like the show, please um, subscribe or give it a good review or tell somebody about it, do all those things. And um, until next time, take good care. I'll talk to you again soon. Home to Her is hosted by me, Liz Kelly. You can visit me online at hometoher.com where you can find show notes and other episodes. You can read articles about the sacred feminine, and you'll also find a link to join the Home to Her Facebook group for lots more discussion and exploration of her. You can also follow me on Instagram at Home to Her to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you back here soon. 